Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Thank you for tuning in. Whatever time you're tuning in, this is the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. I thank you for consuming this podcast. However, you are consuming it. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. I am going to switch things up a little bit for this broadcast. Normally, I talk up to a specific audience about a specific topic. Today, I'm going to be talking in general. The topic I'm going to cover today, I'm going to be talking in general to a broad audience. Like I said, every now and again, I'm going to switch things up. You know, we, we can't talk about systematic racism, white supremacy on every broadcast. Well, I could, but I don't want to. No. Give myself a break. There was no broadcast last week. I was, you know, that was my spring break, <laughs> spring break, so to speak. So I missed a week every now and again, guys, I might miss a week. Um, if I do miss a week, go back and listen to some of the previous shows. Now, my shows aren't that long, between 20 and 30 minutes. Up, I think this is episode nine. So, you know, if you miss me, go back and listen to some of the previous shows, catch up a little bit, and I'll be ready for you next time, next time around. A few things in the news that I I wanted to touch on before I really got into today's topic. Where do I want to start? Cardi B. Let's start there. Cardi B. Cardi, Cardi, Cardi. Cardi made a lot of news this week when an old Instagram live video of her surfaced, of her talking about how when she was an exotic dancer, she would drug men and, and rob them. I think the situation was basically men were propositioning her for sex and she would take them take them somewhere a hotel hotel room i'm guessing she would uh drug them put something and they drank and when they passed out or you know were inebriated (laughs) that's one of them college words for you basically when when they didn't know what was going on she would rob them so that story broke in. A lot of people have been giving it different reactions on it. What they think. Should Cardi be canceled? Is she a sexual predator? Is hashtag me too gonna come after Cardi B? She was she was drugging men. Taking advantage of them. What do we think about this? What what do you guys think about this? I, well, I would really like to know what you guys think about this. You guys hit me up. Hit me up on social media. Let me know what y'all think about this. I'm a po when I post the advertisement for this show on instagram hit me up on instagram let me know what y'all think about this i want to know what y'all think but here's what i think what do i think about cardi b drugging men and robbing them that's wrong shouldn't be doing first of all nobody should be drugging anybody unbeknownst to them nobody should be robbing anybody that's wrong and we all know this what type of backlash will cardi face from this video resurfacing none very minimal at most because i really don't think people care to be quite honest with you a man getting drugged and and robbed by a exotic dancer nobody cares people probably look at the man they don't in that specific situation you look at the man and you laugh you don't look at him like he's a victim you look at him like you was trying to have sex with a stripper and she robs you and that's what you get that's how most people look at it my second thought on this was or is people who are exotic dancers uh, for a living 
some of them, not all of them, more of them than what we probably would like to admit, really don't make a whole lot of money on stage. So they have to do things off stage to feed themselves, especially if that's their primary source of income. And in that lifestyle, setting men up to get robbed, that's part of the lifestyle. Prostituting yourself, that's part of the lifestyle. And a lot of people know this. This isn't nothing new. And Cardi B was was in that lifestyle and she came out and she said this these are the type of things I used to do. I, I don't think nobody's canceling Cardi B over that. Like I said before, I really don't think nobody cares. So that's just my opinion of it. And while we on it, strip clubs. Me personally, I really don't like strip clubs. I don't feel comfortable in strip clubs. My lady thinks I'm, I'm lying. She thinks it's just an act. She thinks, you know, I'm, I'm a typical man. I really love it. I, I want to go all the time. I spend all my time. No, I hate them. I really go. I haven't been in years. I think the last time I, I went, you know, I went with a, a group of friends. They made me go. I went, was in there for a little while. I really didn't feel comfortable. And part of the reason why is I know that it's it's a hustle. It's a con. Them, them women don't like the women. They don't like the men for real. They're in there to get money. And some women will do anything to get your money, even drug you and rob you if they had to. I never felt comfortable in the strip clubs because I knew it was all a sham. I know these women, they don't like me. They don't think I'm so great. They not in here dancing naked because they like me so much. They in here because they want my money. And I, I don't feel comfortable in, in that those type of environments. If a woman wants to dance for me, dance for me because you like me. Dance for me because you're interested. You know, I will, you know, if, if anybody's going to be dancing for me, my woman should be dancing for me. I don't want to go to a strange place to see strange people dance. They're trying to get money in my pockets. I just don't feel comfortable there. But hey, that's just me. Jesse Smollett. <laughs> now, previously, I did a whole show talking about the entire Jesse Smollett situation. Jesse Smollett beat the case. The case was dismissed. The case was sealed. I believe he had to pay $10,000. Well, his bond was 100000 and he had to put up 10% of that, so he had to pay $10,000. I also believe he did a, a few days community service, and he got away scot-free. He, he walked away, and the police, the superintendent of police in Chicago and the mayor of Chicago, they mad as hell. <laughs> they, it's a, they coming out, they doing interviews, talking about how this is a travesty of justice. They, they don't believe it. Matter of fact, let me play a clip and let's get back into it. Hold on. So listen, um, I'm sure we all know what, what occurred this morning. My personal opinion is that you all know where I stand on this. Um, do I think justice was served? No. Where do I think justice is? I think this city is still old an apology. And, and let me digress for a moment. When I came on this job, I've been a cop now for about 31 years. When I came on this job, I came on with my honor, my integrity, and my reputation. If someone accused me of doing anything that would circumvent that, then I would want my day in court, period, to clear my name. I've heard that they wanted their day in court with TV cameras so America could know the truth. But no, they chose to hide behind secrecy and broker a deal 
to circumvent the judicial system. My job as a police officer is to investigate an incident, gather evidence, gather facts, and present them to the state's attorney. That's what we did. I stand behind the detective's investigation. I'll let Mary Manuel comment further. One thing is not only do uh, I support uh, the hard work of our police officers, the defective units, but I'd like to remind everybody a grand jury indicted this individual based on a only a piece of the evidence that the police had uh, collected in that period of time. So a grand jury actually brought the charges. I think on two things I'd like to say, or three things I'd like to say. One, on financial costs, this $10,000 doesn't even come close to what the city spent in resources to actually look over the camera, gather all the data, gather all the information that actually brought the indictment by the grand jury on many, many multiple different charges. Second is what I would call the ethical costs. And the ethical cost is you have, a, as a person who was in the House of Representatives when we tried to pass the Shepard legislation that dealt with hate crimes, putting them on the books, that President Obama then signed into law, to then use those very laws and the principles and values behind the Matthew Shepard hate crimes legislation to self-promote your career is a, is a cost that comes to all the individuals gay men and women who will come forward and one day say they were a victim of a hate crime who now will be doubted. People of faith, Muslim or any other religious faith who will be a victim of hate crime. People that have also of all walks of life and backgrounds, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Now this casts a shadow of whether they're telling the truth and he did this all in the name of self-promotion. And he used the laws of the hate crime legislation that all of us collectively over years have put on the books to stand up to be the values that embody what we believe in. This is a whitewash of justice. All right. The first voice you heard was that of the superintendent of Chicago police. The second one was the mayor of Chicago. So as you can tell, they, they mad as hell that Jesse Smollett got off and beat these charges. Here's my opinion on it. Is Jesse Smollett guilty? Yeah, he's guilty. Am I mad that he beat the charges? No, I'm not mad. Why? Because white people who murder black people beat charges, beat the charge all the time, especially police officers. Now, this is Chicago. Now, you just heard that that snippet I played of the press conference. Right there in that snippet, the Chicago police prove that they can solve a crime when they want to for this jesse smollett situation they got all type of camera footage first of all one thing i didn't know apparently chicago is full of cameras cameras everywhere they got all type of camera footage of these guys from multiple days they you know triangulated the cell phone towers they got the exact positions of exactly where they were from <laughs> from their cell phones they got the phone records they they got everything so Chicago police can solve a crime. After all, you know how many people get murdered in Chicago, young black males specifically? You know how many people get shot up and killed in Chicago that go unsolved because the police are just they're dumbfounded, they have no idea, and they come out and point their finger at, at the black people in Chicago and say, well, y'all, you guys, y'all need to be coming forward and cooperating and telling us what's going on. Uh, apparently, 
they don't need nobody to tell them what's going on. They got all this technology in 2019, all these different type of things they can do to solve a crime. Apparently they can solve a crime. And I have never heard a chief of police come out so strong and a mayor come out so strongly and so vigorously and take a hard stance when a police officer walks for shooting and killing an unarmed black person. When a police officer doesn't even go to trial. When a white person's lies and said I was standing my ground. I've never heard heard them come out so with such anger, such such vitriol, right? But the, but Jesse Smollett, oh no, he is this is a travesty of justice. This is this is a this is an embarrassment. How can this happen? How how can the justice system fail us in this way? Meanwhile, you got real people dying, nobody getting punished, and the chief of police and the mayor not giving a damn. And this is Chicago. This this is the same Chicago Police Department that covered up the murder of La- Laquan McDonald. Remember that? The police murdered Laquan McDonald lied and tried to cover it up. This is the same Chicago Police Department that paid just last year alone paid $50 million in police misconduct settlement cases. $50 million. I'm surprised. Man, I wouldn't be surprised if a large majority of that is really police brutality and they just rename it police misconduct. So it doesn't look as bad. I mean, Chicago is a big city with a big police force. A lot of police brutality goes on. A lot of police misconduct goes on. A lot of murder goes on. And we're wasting time chasing behind Jesse Smollett, who's basically guilty of a failed publicity stunt. A failed publicity stunt and a lie. <laughs> so that's my opinion on it. I, I, You know, he got off. I really don't give a damn he got off. Let's move into today's topic. Oh, and before I forget, in that clip, you heard the mayor talk about the Matthew Shepard hate crime act. For those who don't know what that is, it's basically an extension of the uh, 1969 federal hate crime law. Uh, President Obama signed it in 2009. Is actually called, now you may have heard of the Matthew Shepard Act before, but that's not actually what it's called. It's actually called the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crime Prevention Act. Now, Matthew Shepard, he was a uh, young white gay male who was tortured and murdered by his uh, college roommates, I believe, at the University of Wyoming in 1998. James Byrd Jr., he was also murdered in 1998. James Byrd Jr. was a black man who was murdered by three white supremacists down in Texas. They actually beat him up, strapped him to the back of a pickup truck and drug him uh, a little over three miles. And his his arm, his right arm and his head were actually severed from his body. That's how he died. His right arm and his head were severed from his body because he was being drugged behind a pickup truck by three white supremacists. Now, they all they always talk about Matthew Shepard. They call it the Matthew Shepard Act, the Matthew Shepard Act. But that's they never talk about James Byrd Jr. ever. Hmm. I wonder why. Rest in peace, James Byrd Jr. All right. Moving on with today's topic. Today, I wanted to talk about 
divide and conquer. A lot of people have heard that term before. A lot of people may not know what it is. So let's start slow. What is divide and conquer? Divide and conquer is actually a war strategy. And the point of the strategy is one power breaks another power into smaller manageable pieces and then takes control of those pieces one by one. That's the divide and conquer strategy. Why am I bringing this up? The reason I'm bringing this up is the 99 versus the one. What does that mean? Did you know that the top 1% of the world's population control over half the world's wealth? Think about that for a second. So everything else goes to the 99% of the world's population. The 99% of the world's population has to fight for everything else. When the top 1%, they automatically get half the world's wealth. Now, what people really, or what I really want the audience to think about is the 99%, which I'll just call them the 99, we have, by and large, the same common interests and goals. Work-life balance livable wages, education, safety, opportunities for moving up in the world, health care, freedom. So why are we always fighting amongst each other? Think about it. Why do we allow the one to have half the world's wealth? Why don't we why don't the 99 just overpower it and take it from them? Why don't the 99 just come together and change laws we don't like, change rules we don't like, put together a system that works for us and not a system that works for the one? Well, partly or greatly because of divide and conquer. Most of the population of the world are divided. No one person can move a mountain. No one person can go out here alone and do things by themselves. You need allies. You need to come together as a group. The group can make a change. One person, that's a lost cause. Most people are divided through things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Things that are personal to you that really don't affect the common interest, they use those to divide you. Religion. Well, I'm a Christian and you're not. I can't work with you. Politics. Well, I'm a liberal and you're not. I can't work with you. Gender. Race. Social affiliations. You know, I'm a I'm a Kappa. You an o- Omega. I'm a AKA and you're not. You know, I, I go to just you know, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Crip. You a Blood. Those type of things. Regional preference. I'm from the South. You you from the West Coast. You know? I'm 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 from New York and you from Miami. We we can't get along. People need to really realize that divide and conquer is an old strategy and they use it because it works. If you look throughout history, various revolutions, especially in Europe, Sicily 
France, Germany, Italy, they all had revolutions when the people came together and they said, they, we're going to overthrow the top 1%. We're tired of being poor. We're, we're tired of these monarchs. We're tired of these kings and queens living lavish and big castles with having big fancy feasts, big fancy clothes. And we're sitting here, we're doing all the work and we're starving to death. We're going to come together and we're going to overthrow you and redistribute the resources. That, that has happened throughout history at various times. It could really happen right now. We don't have to overthrow nobody. We don't have to kill nobody, but we do have to come together. The 99 has to come together and work for their common interests. Case in point, redistribution of resources. People talk about this all the time. If the masses came together, we could force political change. We could force laws to be, we could put people in office that's going to work for the people. We could push change. We could push things that's going to work for us, right? A lot of people talk about they want free college, free health care. These things are actually possible. Let's think about it. In 2018, the national defense budget was $716 billion. $716 billion goes to the national defense. And that's only for one year. That was only for 12 months. Now, what if the people came together and they said, you know what? That's too much. That's too much for bombs and bullets and tanks and guns to murder people in a country I've never been to that is no threat to us and they don't care about us. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take, I don't know, half of that maybe a little bit more than half, maybe three, $400 billion. And we're going to have free college. We're going to set up a system where college is free. There's at least two or three free colleges in every state. We're going to set up a system where healthcare is free. And we're going to take it out the national defense budget. But we're going to take it out of another, another budget. I mean, the people, your tax dollars are still going to pay for it. That's, that's a mind trick. Anytime people say they want change, they want free college, they want free health care, a politician gets up there and says, well, who's going to pay for it? Where's this money going to come from? We have to raise taxes. No, you don't. No, you don't. Just take the tax money that you already get and re redistribute it and get the people what they want. These things could happen if people came together and forced to change. The 99 is stronger than the one. But when the one has half the wealth, guess what else they have? They have power. They have politicians, they have media, they have, they control the narrative. They can control what you watch on television. They can control what you see on social media. They can push a narrative to confuse you, to divide you, to break you down into smaller groups and to control those smaller groups. So now we spend all our time fighting amongst each other instead of fighting for our common goals and common interests. And that don't mean you gotta like everybody. That don't mean you got to love everybody. That don't mean you got to get along with everybody. Right? I'm not one that believes everybody's just going to come together in peace and harm, harmony and love and make America a greater place. I don't think that. I think a lot of groups aren't coming together. Me personally, I don't want to come together with a white supremacist, even though we may have the same goals in common. I don't want to come come together and, and, and love him. He ain't got to love me. We ain't got to like each other, but I'm going to fight for my common interests where all my Game of Thrones watches at. The most dangerous people in Game of Thrones aren't the warriors. The most dangerous people are the ones with political authority. They're the one 
making deals. They're the ones starting wars. They're the ones building allies and bringing armies together and conquering. Those are the most dangerous people. Liking people are really overrated. You don't have to like everybody you work with. That's really one of the keys to success. Align yourself with people who are going to get your goals accomplished. You ain't got to like them. Y'all don't have to be best friends. Y'all don't have to jump into bed together. (laughs) Y'all can hate each other as long as y'all relationship is mutually beneficial in a business perspective. And you have to keep in mind, the 1%, they aren't just going to be nice and do the right thing because they think, well, this is the right thing to do. No, they like being wealthy. They like having wealth and power and fame and glory. That's why they're the top 1%. How how do you think they got there? Just a little something for us to think about. Divide and conquer. It works. Know it. Don't be fooled by it. If you have a common goal, if you have a common interest, align yourself with someone who's going to fight for your common goal and your common interest. We got election coming up. Vote your interest in this election. Vote your interest. It should be a reciprocal relationship. If you vote for somebody, they should do something for you. Don't be tricked in voting against your interest. I don't care if you voted Democrat your whole life. I don't care if you voted Republican your whole life. I don't care if you voted Green Party your whole life. If this party who you say you belong to is doing something, is pushing a policy that's going to hurt you, why are you voting for them? It just doesn't make any sense. Once again, everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. Before I get out of here, this is my last broadcast in March. And I said I was going to do a book every month. I almost forgot. But I got a book recommendation for you guys. And this month's month's I can't talk now. Book recommendation is The Life of Olada Equianu. I'm gonna spell it out for you. O L A U D A H E Q U I A N O. Google that. Great book. This book is actually the first autobiography written by a slave who was kidnapped from slavery in Africa. All right, this guy, he was kidnapped in in Africa, sold into slavery, and he spent like like 17, 18 years as a slave, something like that. He got his freedom and he wrote a book about his life. So it's very interesting because he talks about his life as a child in Africa before he got captured, he talked about being captured. He talked about being sold into slavery. He talked about life on the slave ship. Uh, I believe he was sold in slavery to a British, a British naval cap, uh, Navy captain. So he served under him. He talked about living life as a slave. He talked about finally getting his freedom. He talked about learning, learning how he learned to read and write. And when he got free, he wrote a book about his life. So this book is actually very it isn't that popular in America. This book is actually popular in Europe. Right? So he talked about his life from 1745 to 17. Well, he died in 1797. So this book is an autobiography of his life written by him in his own words. It's a very interesting book. I highly recommend it. We need 
to read our stories from our perspective instead of letting other groups tell us what our perspective was. So he gives a first hand account of his perspective and his life. Once again, the, the, the full title is actually the interesting narrative of the life of Olida Equianu. If you just Google his name, I spelled it previously. This book should come up, should be able to find it wherever, you know, online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. This has been the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <clears throat> when I post the advertisement for this show <clears throat> on my Instagram, uh, drop me a comment. I want to hear from you guys, specifically women, on how y'all feel about this Cardi B situation. Drop me a comment. Let me know how you guys feel. And you know what? If you guys want me to answer questions on the next broadcast, DM me. Hit me up on the DM. Ask your question. If you want me to cover a specific topic, maybe I will. You can add a suggestion. Ask your questions. Maybe I'll grab I'll grab one or two questions. I'm not going to spend the whole show answering questions. I'll grab one or two questions, and I'll answer them on the next broadcast. You can ask me anything, guys. Once again, unprocessed underscore knowledge on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate it. The support has been great. Um, hit the like button, subscribe, share, tell a friend if you want to support the show even further. My work, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy is available on Amazon.com. Check you guys next time. Now I'd like to talk about a few things that bring us together, okay? Things that emphasize our similarities instead of our differences, which is all you ever hear about in this country is our differences. It's all I ever talk about. Politicians and the media always pushing the things that separate us, things that make us different. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing. Fairly simple thing happens to work. Anything that's different about us, you know that's what they're pushing at you. Racial differences, religious, ethnic, national backgrounds, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality. Anything they can do to keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. Keep them showing up at those jobs. And I'm not a really good American because I like to form my own opinions. I don't just roll over when I'm told to. Sad to say, most Americans just roll over on command. Not me, not me. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. I don't take very seriously the media or the press in this country, who in the case of the Persian Gulf War were nothing more than unpaid employees of the Department of Defense, and who most of the time function as kind of an unofficial public relations agency for the United States government. So I don't listen to them. I don't really believe in my country. And I got to tell you, folks, I don't get all choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. I consider, I consider them to be symbols, and I leave symbols to the symbol-minded.